Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this majesty that is present in this room because you are present in this room. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, that they might please you, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So today we are looking at songs that give you strength. And I wonder, when you think of the word strength, you know, what image comes to mind? Is it something like this? Is it Dwayne Johnson, The Rock? Does strength mean big muscles and able to lift heavy weights or throw heavy things around? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's a mom who carried, birthed, and then is raising octuplets. Is strength, you know, this being able to handle so much responsibility on your shoulders? Or do you picture someone like this woman who she's strong because she has to actually do this hard labor every day just to feed her family? Wow, what strength she must have. Or is it that you picture a leader, someone who is out in front leading people, calling people towards something. What do you picture when you think about strength? Because I have a picture in my head about what that's supposed to look like. And what's troubled me is that as I've read through scripture, and specifically at our text today, I realize that the picture that scripture has of strength is very different than mine. It's as different as Coke and Pepsi. So our story from today that our student Luke Andrus read is from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke does footnotes, but before there were footnotes, he like does this, lets you know some things that are happening. And, and before the parable happens, before Jesus tells the parable, he gives us this precursor. And this is how the NIV writes it. Jesus is saying this to some who were confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And then the message says this. He told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance. And they looked down their noses at the common people. I wonder, which of these Sounds like you, confident of themselves, complacently pleased with themselves. I have to tell you, after the first service, I had several people come out and say, I think you were preaching to me. And I was like, no, actually, I was preaching to myself. I want you to keep these phrases in mind as we read this story. So the story starts off on this majorly positive note because it tells us two men went to the temple to pray. I mean, shouldn't they get points in heaven for that? I mean, they went there like all of us. You're here in the temple today to pray. It seems like that was actually a good step. But then there's this intentional juxtaposition that Jesus begins to use between these two. So there's the Pharisee, there's the tax collector. The Pharisee, it was his job to be in the temple. The tax collector he wasn't ever going to be warmly welcomed into the temple. You had one whose name literally meant the righteous one, the one who was justified. 
And then you had someone else whose name literally meant in the Greek one that ends your ability to pay for things. One who is so very strong and one who is so very weak. Author Brene Brown describes the tendency, our tendency, to act like the Pharisee as we put on armor. Now she is not talking about the armor of God like the Apostle Paul talks about. It's a totally different type of armor. She's talking about things that we put on in order to protect ourselves. So we put these shields up because we don't want anybody to see any of our weaknesses or our vulnerability, especially in uncomfortable situations. But this is the thing, she says, armor, it actually keeps us from being our true self. It makes us, it makes us not accountable to our morals. And so here we see this Pharisee as this person who is valued for being right, for doing the right thing, being better, especially when compared to others. And then we see the tax collector, completely vulnerable, willing to ask for help, admitting weakness. So which one do you want to be? Which one does the world tell us we should be? Which one is the one that Jesus says, oh, this is the model for how I want you to be? So let's keep going. We're only a few verses in. And the Pharisee actually begins the prayer in a, in a way we've been taught to pray. He begins by thanking God. That's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to give adoration first in our prayers. Then we confess. Then we thank. And then thank a little bit more. And then we ask for things. And so the Pharisee begins with, I thank you, God that you did not make me like other people. It's a twisted, it's like a backhanded compliment to God. Have you ever looked at the specific list of who he's comparing himself to? It's fascinating to me. He says thieves. Those are people that take things from others. And then he says rogues. Rogues are those who act unjustly toward others. And then there's adulterers, those who act unfaithful toward others. All three of these folks are described because of the sin that they commit that other people would have been able to know about. God, thank you. I am not one of those who does awful things towards others. Pharisee seems pretty strong. Wow. He's really able to resist temptation. But then there's the irony. There he is standing there actually doing harm to another. No one can see it. But the listener and the reader know. We know. He's puffing himself up. God, thank you. I am not like him. He lists his good deeds. He says, I fast, I tithe. I picture him standing there kind of before an altar, and he's like puffing up his chest, like bowing up before God. But Jesus shifts his focus away from the puffed up man and brings it towards this tax collector. God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. You picture him. He's beating his chest. He's actually doing physical harm because he thinks he deserves it. And then the scripture says he can't, he can't even lift his head up. He has to keep his head down. And we all know that's a, that's a position of shame. The tax collector stands there, and it, it, it would have sounded so wrong 
to the first century listener and all of those hundreds of years after as people heard this story, this isn't what you were supposed to do. You weren't supposed to admit weakness. The tax collector admits that he doesn't have it all together. Even if he had a super efficient week at tax collecting, he's there at the altar of God and he's saying, I am broken. And then to add insult to injury, he doesn't just feel it. He says it out loud for other people to hear. It wasn't right because the tax collector's prayer didn't begin with praise. It began with lament, a cry for help from a place of utter brokenness so much that he can't even lift his head up toward God. This isn't the picture of strength, or is it? The Apostle Paul tells us that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And then he goes on to say, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to boast in my weakness so that God's power may be known all the more. I wonder, who do we identify with more? I truly believe without a shadow of a doubt that if there was one characteristic that Christ desires for his followers besides love, that he desires that could truly change the world, change our everyday lives, where we would be able to live more out of courage than out of fear, more out of community than out of loneliness. And if, if we were to do it even just 50% of the time, that characteristic would be humility. In the movie Rudy, we learn of this young man who his only desire is to play football for the University of Notre Dame. He leaves after he graduates high school and he heads up to South Bend, Indiana. And then in the beginning of the movie, you discover he doesn't even have the grades to get into Notre Dame. And so he goes to community college there. But he wants to get on that field. And so he finds a way to be able to make some connection with the head janitor of the stadium that touched down Jesus. That's the name of the stadium. And he goes, in, he goes there and he works going to the community college and serving as a janitor. And he ends up building this rapport with the team and the various coaches. And then finally, he makes the practice squad when he's able to get in. It's his junior year. And he gets beat up. He gets slammed down. He's a little guy. Notre Dame has these huge linemen that are throwing him to the ground, but he works harder than anybody out there, and so he ends up getting their respect. And so his senior year, he thinks, this might be the time I actually get to dress. And so every single Friday, they show Rudy running up to the locker room, and there's a list of who made the dress squad for that weekend's game. And he goes up and he looks down. It's not his name. They all pat him on the back. Maybe next time. Next week, same thing. And it's the last game of the senior year. And he runs and he looks down the list. And you see all these big guys around him. And they see that his name is not on that list. And his face is just broken. But then something happens in the movie and the focus goes away from Rudy. All of a sudden, you realize that there's something that he's done that's made this impact on his teammates. So watch what happens. Yeah. Well, hi, Roland. Come in. I want Rudy to dress in my place, coach. He deserves it. 
Don't be ridiculous. Georgia Tech is one of the top offensive teams in the country. You're an all-American, and our captain act like it. I believe I am. Me too, Coach. I'll Rudy to dress in my place. Coach, it's Rudy. For Rudy, Coach. Rudy's humility had become contagious. It, it's not supposed to be like that. There are these all-Americans. They're getting ready to play a top team. And Rudy doesn't even know they did this. And he, they go in and they lay those jerseys down. Is that a picture of strength? Jesus closes out the parable so poignantly. He gives kind of his closing argument. He says, I tell you who did the right thing. The one who acted with humility. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen. I'm excited to share with you a short video that y'all can watch as I'm talking about what went on this past week. You might not know that we had over two dozen folks participating in our Surf and Serve high school mission trip. And they went to Community First and worked out there. They went to a park and cleaned up and most importantly, they went to many of our church members' homes. Most of them widows are living alone. And they helped them get their life together in the yard and in the garages. And more importantly, built community standing side by side. And so they're sitting over here, most of them. And after worship, they're going to be heading off to the surf portion of their surf and serve trip down to Port A. And so... I want to encourage you to be praying for them and their leaders. When you think about these students, I want you to know that it is because of your generosity that we are able to have the staff that comes up with creative ideas, like doing this meaningful mission trip. And so now, as we continue to worship, may you take time and respond with the giving of your tithes and your offerings. <laughs> 